You're listening to Simple Ritz Radio, and today we're talking about creating your own wellness project. Yes, how you can create your own version of health. Have you ever even thought about that? Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to this podcast. I'm your host, Alexa. And as always, I just wanted to remind you that this show is dedicated to simplifying your health, allowing you to live with more purpose, more joy, and ultimately achieve the lasting health you've been looking for. While it seems complex and overwhelming, my passion is to break it down into the basics and help you live a simplistic and healthy life that you enjoy. Today is no different as we're diving into creating a wellness project. Yes, your own wellness project based on your own unique body. And we have guest Phoebe Lapine to do just that as she is author of the book, The Wellness Project, How I Learned to Do Right by My Body Without Giving Up My Life. She is also founder and author of the site Feed Me Phoebe. And today we get to dive into how she came up with the concept of creating her own wellness project, what she learned, and how you can implement this in your own life. I know she inspired me to do this in 2018, and I hope she inspires you as well. Because the reality is, even being a health expert, there is always room to grow, not based on what the world is telling us, but to get more in tune to our own life and our own needs. I can't wait to get started, and you can follow along with my own wellness project, and I hope you create yours as well over on Instagram at Alexa Sherm and Facebook at Simple Roots Wellness. And make sure you follow along Phoebe at Phoebe Lapine to get more inspiration as well. I can't wait to get started with today's show and show you how you can create your own wellness project and as we start to make goals and resolutions for 2018 to maybe twist those into this new idea and this new concept of really not just creating these goals and resolutions, but creating intentions and living within your values so that you can see greater change, not just a quick fix, but an overall life change. So stick around to listen to the inspiration that Phoebe gives us in today's show. Welcome to the show, Phoebe. I'm so excited to have you on and talk about your latest book, The Wellness Project. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. So as I mentioned, your latest book is The Wellness Project, and it takes a deep dive in how you learned to do right with your body without giving up your life, which I think is huge in today's world because so often we're just stuck in this, the world of like being strapped and chained to a diet. And there are so many illnesses and even just people who want to lose weight. So I think, I I mean, this book naturally caught my attention. I'm so excited to dig in. But I kind of want to back up and hear your story because I know you came from a really healthy family, but you later developed an autoimmune disease and this led to the book ultimately. So just give us a backstory a little bit, like a brief backstory on how this all came to be. Okay. Well, it was, this book was seven years in the making. Um, just that's impressive. my life. <laughs> so I'll try and be brief, but it is honestly not my strong suit. Um, so as you mentioned, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease when I was 22. Um, and it's called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. My regular childhood doctor is the one who caught it, which was incredibly lucky because a lot of doctors don't actually do the full 
thyroid panel that can tell you whether or not you just have, you know, a wonky sluggish thyroid or the actual autoimmune disease. Um, so very lucky on the one hand, but on the other hand, you know, she kind of related to be related to me rather casually and said that it was no big deal, fairly common with women my age, and I just have to be on a pill for the rest of my life. And as you mentioned, I, I did grow up with in the kind of a healthy household, or at least my mother was the helm of a right. healthy household. And she shopped at the health food store and was like very anti-packaged foods that had any sort of additives in them. Um, I grew up, you know, trying to escape her pantry by going over to friends' houses, <laughs> eating all the brands that I saw on television there. Um, and I certainly, you know, hadn't necessarily been converted by her yet, but there was enough that had kind of rubbed off on me over the years that just the idea of being dependent on medication for the rest of my life did not sound like something I wanted to sign up for. So um, I say I did what any super mature person would do at the ripe age of 22. And I just left the office and (laughs) pretended the conversation never happened. Um, And so I was able to do that because I wasn't really experiencing any of the symptoms of Hashimoto's yet, or at least not experiencing them in a severe enough way that would get me to kind of look at my lifestyle and see what other changes could be made. Um, But in the years that followed, coincidentally, the years that I left my corporate job to pursue a career as a food woman of many trades, um, that's when I kind of slowly descended from Health (laughs) Mountain and started to experience really horrible digestive issues, fatigue, skin issues, hair loss, kind of you name it. I had to stop exercising because I would get such a horrible cramp within half a block of running. Um, So eventually I did actually find a doctor with more of a holistic perspective, someone that my, my mother recommended. And he kind of got me on this more holistic track. But, you know, kind of in switching gears from being in denial and doing nothing to being faced with this kind of laundry list of dietary and lifestyle labor, um, I kind of didn't necessarily end up feeling that quote unquote well either. Right. Um, and it was just, it was just a lot on the list without kind of a roadmap for accomplishing it. And even the most holistic minded doctors at the end of the day only have so much time to spend with you. So mm-hmm. I think I was missing a lot of the why behind some of these practices, um, some of these omissions. And eventually I kind of had to, you know, stop using these other doctors as a crutch and design my own protocol, put in my own work with the research and truly find, you know, what worked for my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you went on this journey, right? Like how long after you started the blog, did you start to do this whole wellness project? Cause I really want to break down this wellness project. Cause you decided to take a switch from kind of like the traditional approach of health, of living for health and kind of live with health, you know, and like, that's my whole motto is how do we switch people from living for health to living with health? So we're not a, like chained to a diet. Like when did that register with you of like, I don't want to be here anymore, you know, where the world and the, and the health community tells me I'm going to be. And instead I want to, even though I have this autoimmune disease, I want to live 
for with something more, you know, like actually live my life. Totally. Well, I'll say that, and not everyone, you know, when faced with a diagnosis or some sort of, um, lifestyle prescription will necessarily feel this way, but I was extremely resistant to any sort of change from the get-go. Um, kind of the first big, big change that I did make was take gluten out of my diet. And for someone who was working as a private chef and, and culinary instructor and just kind of, you know, taking any job that came my way, it was very scary to have a dietary restriction. Right. <laughs> um, professionally and then also socially. Um, this was six years ago. So, well, at this point, so I said the book was seven years in the making, but the book slash the wellness project started now almost, uh, two, two to three years ago. Um, so six years ago when I first went gluten-free, there were very few options. People didn't know what gluten was. Um, I mean, I feel like when Jimmy Kimmel did his interview, like two right. or three years ago, people still didn't know what gluten was. So, um, the learning curve has certainly come a long way. Um, but yeah, it felt like even that one change was a very, was very jarring for both sides of my life, the social and the professional. Um, and then kind of as I evolved and learned more and saw more doctors, um, and tried, you know, to get even more restrictive, taking grains out, um, legumes, just like, again, all of that dietary labor. Again, I just kind of felt like I was so stressed out all the time that, um, I was so stressed out. I was so like defeated by not being able to like go out with my friends and be a normal right. human being, um, that I just suspected that it wasn't really that healthy at the end of the day. Um, so I actually dealt with a lot of this stuff in the background of my life. Um, not on the blog, on the blog, I was mainly focusing on, on gluten-free recipes, um, and healthy recipes, but it took a little while for this kind of conversation going on in the background with my various practitioners, um, to start to be integrated a little bit more to the story that I was telling the quote unquote world. Right. Um, and so eventually I kind of did start to lay the bricks for this project of my own, which was inspired by Gretchen Rubin's The Happiness Project. And I knew it was going to be a blog series on my site because that would give me accountability and a way to just kind of journal through it, which, you know, you know, I started blogging actually way back in the dark ages of right. 2008, <laughs> back when blogs were really, you know, more of a, a journal and there are people doing a lot more of these kind of year long projects mm -hmm. of sorts. Um, so it was something I wanted to do personally, but then also, I mean, I really just saw that there was such a need out there for, for some sort of like memoir style account of what it actually takes to fit some of these um, healthy changes into your life. And so I created this 12 month curriculum, one change at a time, um, focusing on kind of one area of health at a time. But it wasn't necessarily like the goal wasn't necessarily to be my my healthiest self on paper. It was again, like that subtitle that you that you honed in on the question of how do I do right by my body without giving up my life? And I evaluated basically every single physical benefit that I saw from making these changes against, you know, what were some of the emotional changes? Because when you add anything, right. when you 
take something away, it really does throw your, the scale of your life off balance in one way or another. Um, and I really do believe that kind of the spirit side of things are, is just as important as, as your blood work. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like that's a, a topic that is so missed um, because we focus so much on what we eat and how much we exercise, but really the stress and the emotional component of health is probably more significant than the other aspects. Um, and we like to just brush over them. But when you were going through this year long journey, like what was that? Like what was your emotional connection and how did you kind of get your mind in the right place? Because some of the things you were doing, even before the challenge, giving up gluten is hard for people. Like how did you come to emotionally and mentally, like come to terms with this? Yeah, so I think actually part of it was in breaking it into baby steps, A, and then B, kind of creating a 30-day timeline so that, you know, if something really wasn't working for me, I didn't have to do it anymore. And there were certain things that I tried for even less time and just abandoned. Um, I think it's really important for us to to give ourselves some sort of leeway um, because if these things are really supposed to be sustainable, I think that you have to either see a huge physical benefit or it has to be somewhat enjoyable. And the nice thing is, is that there are enough practices in the world um, and especially that are being talked about these days in more mainstream wellness arenas that I do think that we can pick and choose because we certainly can't do all of the above all at once. And as someone who had like tried to do all of the above all at once right. and, and felt like a failure year round, um, just kind of taking myself, you know, off the line for, for having these things be cumulative, I think put me in a much better mindset. And then, yeah, just going in with the mindset, um, of again, kind of evaluating the benefits on a broader spectrum than just, um, you know, my, my energy, but also I say it was like, I, my goal was to wake up with energy, which is right. important, <laughs> but also be excited to take on the world, mm-hmm. um, which is something that's maybe a little bit harder to measure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I journaled throughout, throughout the way, um, along the way and was obviously, you know, had kind of the online journal half of it. And then I kind of had to just do the balancing act and the weighing act that all of us do, um, kind of in the moment and along the way to see, you know, is this worth my time, money, and energy? Right. Just like a different, a different switch and, and how you think about things and how you look at health in general. Um, yeah. So, and I'll also yeah. say, by the way, like part of it too was, it was designing a curriculum that went beyond just food and exercise. Cause I totally agree with you there. I think diet can be a huge agent of change, same mm-hmm. with exercise, but it can also be this kind of trap door that we fall down and just mm-hmm. never emerge. Right. Um, and for me, I think that was part of why I was feeling so angsty about all the changes I had made thus far was that a lot of them were, were around my diet. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter is, you know, the more research I did, the more people I asked, like sleep, hydration, stress management, hormone balance, all of these things are, are equally important. You know, the products we put on our skin, not that they should be you know, weight equally to diet, but they shouldn't be necessarily cast aside. And I kind of 
felt very liberated by the end of my year, knowing that I had this incredibly diverse arsenal of tools. And so if I did fall off the wagon with my diet or not even off the wagon, if I chose to, you know, indulge in things I knew wouldn't feel, make me feel very good. At least I had these other things to pull from. And ultimately I think that's like how you create a sustainable life of wellness for anyone. Right. Yeah, for sure. And so like given the new year is coming up, I think uh, this podcast fits so perfectly with what people are going to start to think about. And that's resolutions. And anyone in the health world will know that most resolutions tend to be focused on diet and exercise, right? Like how much weight can I lose? Or I want to eat more, you know, real foods, or I want to exercise more. But in the grand scheme of things, what you did, I think is really fascinating because health is not just a, a measure of A to B, right? Like it's a process, it's a journey. And that's really what you took yourself on. So if someone, say, doesn't want to just lay down a resolution and they more want to take their own wellness journey, like create their own wellness project of sorts, like what are some tips that you could give someone who really wants to think outside the box coming up, set goals that are meaningful and more lasting and really go on this journey? Yeah, I mean, I highly recommend it. (laughs) It was very useful for me. Um, But no, so I think... It depends on what you're after. I mean, some people might find the idea of creating a year-long project kind of intimidating. So you can definitely start small and think about, you know, changes on a more week-to-week incremental basis. I have um, actually a companion guide for those who have bought the book on how to create your own four weeks to wellness challenge. Um, So, yeah, if anyone has bought the book, I can give you the link for the show notes and you can download Mm -hmm. that to kind of help you design your own curriculum. But, you know, the problem with Muir's resolutions is that A, people bite off more more than they can chew. And B, as you mentioned, people's goals are, you know, kind of these weight-based or, I mean, some of them can be like miles run, what have you, based goals versus an actual feeling that you get in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think a, I'm sorry, I'm doing a lot of a and being, no, you're fine. (laughs) The problem is you can't make healthier choices until you know what choices are healthy for you. That's, I think like the truth of the matter that I tried to go on my own process of discovery in order to even figure out what my resolution should be. And I'm not really in the business of writing resolutions anymore, but it's like, at least I know if I'm going to recommit to five practices, like what the ones that truly work for me are that Mm -hmm. I need to to versus just doing a bunch of shoulds. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think like doing any sort of methodical process, for that discovery, like make that your, your resolution for the whole year, right? Discover what healthy habits work for you. And then maybe next year you can figure out which ones you want to recommit to and devise some actual strategies or baby steps for doing so. Yeah. And that's what I love about this is like teaching people to learn about their bodies because we live in the world of all or nothing. And I'm sure what you found would be totally different than what someone else found. But going back to kind of what you found, like from the practices that you did, did you find some to be really beneficial and some that just didn't jive with your body? Yeah, I mean, 
My first month was probably the most severe. I gave up caffeine, alcohol, and sugar for 30 days. And <laughs> you went right in. <laughs> I went right in when my willpower was strong. You know, it was the, it was the new year, so there were a lot of people doing cleanses and such. Right. So it was time for it. Um, but I obviously knew that I wasn't necessarily going to become a teetotaler or, you know, go completely sugar free at the end of it. Um, but you know, in kind of sticking with the extreme, sticking through, you know, the uncomfortableness and the cravings socially and physically, um, I could really like see the black and white contrast of what these substances did for my body, which was, I think, so important for finding any sort of moderation going forward. Because until you take something out, you just don't really know. Um, and even when I, I was went through the first change of gluten, I was told via blood work that it was a problem, but I also went on an elimination diet at the same time. So I could, it, had I just been told, you know, the answer on paper, I'm not sure I would have believed it, but feeling again, that black and white contrast of what happened when I ate it again was enough. I mean, not to completely stick to right. my diet for a few years, but now that I have that feeling coupled with, you know, some more knowledge about why gluten is particularly problematic for Hashimoto's. Um, now I'm really strict about it and committed. Um, that was actually, you know, one area that I got even more strict after the wellness project. Um, I kind of doubled down on the gluten and, um, there are a few other things that I, you know, rediscovered didn't make me feel great, but I'm slightly more flexible on. Um, but so, yeah, so the alcohol, caffeine, and sugar definitely <laughs> figured out that it was not serving me. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, again, like talking about healthy hedonism, which is my philosophy and like kind of the through line of the book and, and weighing the cost benefit of these changes, I knew that I wasn't going to like have a fun and fulfilling social life without them. And what's more is like, I could then evaluate though the subset of, okay, well, like if I'm, if I like to drink and occasionally, um, less than I used to, you know, what are the times when I'm actually craving it for, for the good reasons of not feeling alienated or feeling, um, or, you know, just for taste, because I mm -hmm. like wine. And where are the scenarios where I'm just drinking because it's the default, mm -hmm. or drinking because I'm feeling socially awkward? You know, those are the kinds of the wrong reasons that I tried to eliminate and still try and eliminate going forward. And the same thing, you know, for sugar, I realized I was eating a lot of mindless sugar. I wasn't gaining any conscious pleasure from, you know, having something sweet. It was just sweets were mixed into a lot of the savory foods I was eating and just, you know, a lot of the processed foods because it's in 80% of the supermarket aisle. So again, there was, there were a lot of things that I could do, um, to find moderation that didn't require me to be all or nothing. So now I've kind of, weeded out a lot of that mindless sugar, or I'm just aware of mm -hmm. when I'm eating. Like when I'm traveling, I do rely a little bit more on packaged foods, though I try and pack a plain meal. And, you know, then I know, okay, well, it's not going to be necessarily be the day for like a treat on top of that. And the days when I choose to have, you know, a special occasion treat, it really does feel like a special occasion because right. I'm not 
having that reward every single day because I don't need that reward every single day. Um, so I can't even remember what your original question was at this point, but (laughs) no, 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 that's great. Oh, what were the things that were most beneficial? Okay. So honestly, the sleep and stress management was a huge prong, um, that I kind of worked towards in several other areas. Um, and I think, you know, more so than, than going out and, and being social with alcohol, I kind of realized that going out and being social, like many nights in a row, just being a sensitive person had such an impact on my body beyond, you know, what I was putting in it, just simply whether I was being exposed to a lot of stimulus, whether I was getting in bed for eight hours and actually sleeping through the night. Um, I kind of noticed that I feel more hungover from nights that I don't get enough sleep than nights I maybe have mm-hmm. one too many glasses of wine. Um, so those are things that I've kind of just, yeah, reframed my relationship to, um, and recommitted to, and I just, it affects the whole way that I, I structure my week. I always make sure that I have kind of at least two nights of just me downtime. Right. Yeah. And I love, there's a quote in your book. If you're stressing about what you're eating all the time, no amount of kale will make you healthy. Like, (laughs) just like, I mean, I think that sums it up perfectly because, that's what we do. You know, like when the new year's resolutions come around, we can really stress about that stuff. And that stress really, it makes what you're doing, (laughs) the the healthy food that you're eating and the exercise you're doing kind of non-existent. So how did you come to that? Like, what was your aha moment with that? Oh, I mean, like the whole few years leading up to the wellness project when, um, you know, my restrictive, diets as recommended by various practitioners was like really getting in the way of me living my life. Um, and yeah, not making me feel very good at the end of the day. Um, cause I also realized I was, you know, checking a lot of boxes that maybe others weren't. I was on paper living a very healthy life, mm-hmm. but it wasn't coming from, it wasn't coming from the right mindset. It was like, I was kind of on the defensive all the time. Um, it was coming from a place of, of desperation and really wanting to get better because I was really sick. Um, and not necessarily as kind of like a proactive exploration, um, that gave myself, you know, the freedom to, to pick and choose. Um, and now, I mean, I think going through the whole year, the biggest takeaway is that I can try and like set myself up for success as much as possible at home, but then I have to let go at a certain point right. of when I'm outside the house and not in control of my circumstances. Uh huh. Yeah. Again, going back to like health should not be all consuming to us. Like it should be something that we just live with. Like I, sometimes I look at it and think, do we make health too hard? Like, do you think that we make health harder than it actually is? Uh, Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm currently working on kind of a four week course based on the book to kind of give people more of a helping hand. And, you know, with a lot of these, a lot of courses, there's, and a lot of health books, there's, you know, the meal plan at the end of it, which is this crazy grid of three to four recipes or dishes that you have to make or eat every single day. And I cook professionally and I look at something like that and I'm like, what? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not, when am I going to have time to make this? I'm going to be so busy cooking that I'm not even going to have time to eat it. I'm definitely not going to see anyone I love that week. Right. (laughs) And I'm going to be, you know, siphoned away 
eating these meals alone in a dark apartment. Um, yeah. And so <laughs> whenever I see health plans like that, I just, I kind of can't handle it because even though you may be kind of biohacking or experimenting with a certain type of diet to, again, like kind of get more information about your, your body and yourself. It's not in a way that that sets you up for any sort of sustainable, better habits going forward. Um, to me, like on the simplest level, I think that just cooking more to begin with would be a great baby step for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of people who don't cook to begin with try and go on these diet plans. And not only does it probably stress them out, um, just trying to execute it, but it also then leaves them with the bad taste in their mouth that, Oh, cooking is incredibly difficult and expensive because there are so many specialty ingredients involved. Um, and there's a lot of waste because, the people who design the recipes are not actual recipe developers, but doctors and don't really think about like what's able to be executed right. <laughs> um, in a kitchen. Um, and a lot of the time they're like scaled down. So you have a lot of waste. Anyway, I'm very anti-meal plan <laughs> if you can't tell, but it's like, I think it's a perfect example of just overcomplicating things. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm a big fan of, of batch cooking, just setting us aside, you know, some time on a weekend to crank out a few like good, well-rounded meals for the week that'll keep well and just kind of like building your habits from there. Mm -hmm. Right. Kind of, again, going along with the wellness project, like you slowly learn what you prefer taste-wise and what your body prefers. And then these recipes that you say batch cook just become part of what you do, part of life. Um, yeah. You- and we do overcomplicate things. We get like a lot, very bogged down with a lot of the nutrition science, which just is in its infancy across mm-hmm. the board, even though there's more mm-hmm. information coming out about like kind of bigger areas like the microbiome. Um, there's still so much we don't know. So mm-hmm. I think don't worry about, again, like the shoulds, what's healthy on paper, figure out what's healthy for you on the Mm -hmm. diet front that might mean doing an elimination diet so that you can really see what your particular body's triggers are. And then, you know, if you don't have actually like any sort of intense symptoms, you just want to quote unquote be healthy and, you know, make some, some better choices. I mean, it just comes down to like eating whole foods eating more vegetables. That's pretty much the commonality of any right. diet, fat or otherwise. Right. I mean, it kind of goes back again. Like you said, it's it, nutrition is in such an infant stage that there's so much unknown and that's where the confusion and controversy really comes into play. And so when you look at it, like this system, like creating a wellness project or living your health in your own way, I feel like it's taking you and looking at your system in its entirety and not nitpicking apart all these systems when really we all work together, you know, like our, our bodies working together to function. Um, so I think that's really, really cool. I have a couple more questions. I could really talk to you about this for a long time. Um, but when you started this project, did your thought on wellness, like did your idea of what wellness was change from the beginning to the end? That's an interesting question. I don't think it did per se. I think I kind of, in my trial and error and some of that trial being doing nothing at all, leading up to it kind of came up with these hypotheses that I proved. Mm -hmm. Um, 
some of which we've kind of, you know, gone over. It's the, mm-hmm. If you're stressing out about what you're eating all the time, no amount of kale salad can make you healthy. You know, things like that that I suspected, kind of I think I, I, I was living proof of it by the end because it wasn't cumulative. I wasn't, you know, that dogmatic about, you know, the things that I carried over, but the things that naturally stuck, stuck. And by the end of the year, I mean, it really did work. My blood work was so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, and the year after that was when the book came out or this past year, you know, so there have been a lot of like actually very stressful life changes and life moments um, that have really put my wellness to the test. And I think, yeah, to me, like wellness is just having this this kind of macro habit of self-care um, that that is this, you know, well-honed toolkit that I mentioned that you can just reach in and grab whatever the right tool for the right situation is. Mm-hmm. Right. So on your blog, which is Feed Me Phoebe, you have a series on Wellness Wednesday where you ask experts that question, I want to ask you now, if you mm-hmm. could tell someone one thing to change about their lifestyle that would have a profound effect on their general well-being without a huge financial investment, what would that be? Yeah, so that's actually the question I asked tons of experts before putting together my curriculum and I kind of cobbled together their answers into some sort of streamlined, um, you know, into certain buckets that I covered during my project. And I hate to bring it to you again, but interestingly enough, my answer, what I would have said before the year started is the same one that it is today, which is just cook more for yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, I think so to get more into that. Um, so there's obviously the one hand, which is just having full awareness of what's actually going into your meals, even if what's going into your meals is a whole stick of butter. It's a choice. Um, But I actually, I mean, I think once you start to embrace cooking and can start to enjoy it as a process and not just a chore, it really does nourish you on, on different levels than just, you know, what's filling your belly at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just, it can feel incredibly satisfying to create something, especially in this wacky digital age. Right. <laughs> and it feels so good to, to nourish other people at the same time as you're feeding yourself. Um, I just think it's a really profound process that mm-hmm. um, does a lot more for your relationship to food and your body than, you know, some sort of formulaic diet. Uh-huh. Uh, love it. Okay. I have a few quick fire questions before we go. Just five quick things. Um, and then you can tell us where they can learn more about you. Um, but the first quick fire question is, what is the first thing you do every morning for your health? Um, the first thing I do every morning is take my thyroid medication, which is like <laughs> a sexy answer. Um, but I am on a low dose of Nature Throid, which is a natural uh, version of a thyroid replacement hormone. And I say natural because it is literally pig's thyroid that's ground (laughs) up. But the reason why it's it's more effective for some people than Synthroid, which is actually now the most prescribed medication in America, is that it has two different kinds of thyroid hormone versus just one. And mm-hmm. the one that Synthroid has is actually not the active form. So your body then needs to convert it. So um, I know a lot of people who you know, find that 
one of the naturals, um, armor is another brand just work better for them because their body doesn't have to go through the process of converting Mm -hmm. all of that hormone. So, um, that is the first thing I do for my health because it has to be taken on an empty stomach before (laughs) like a half an hour before food or tea or coffee. Perfect. And (laughs) I love that you just made it known because even though you went on this health journey, like it is still okay to support your body in those ways. I think that when people come into the world of health or try to find their health, a lot of times I think that they should never have to take another medication or supplement again, um, which a lot of the time, some of those things are just used in supporting of that. Like sometimes oh, we yeah. have to, you know, like there's no shame in that. And I and I know I have, I'm on a lot of things to help my body just function better and more optimally. Um, so thank you for making light of that and telling the world that it's okay, even though you oh, go on yeah. this huge health journey, like that's part of it. No, I was very stubborn, but um, ultimately my my instincts were right. The pill alone was not going to solve all my problems, but certainly taking a pill in conjunction with some of these other changes and making sure that it's the right mm-hmm. amount and not just jacking you up on, right. on hormones <laughs> without um, without filling in the gaps elsewhere. Yeah, yes, it's, it's great. Perfect. Okay, what is your favorite health book outside of your own? What's your favorite health book? Ooh, that's a tough one. I love uh, Woman Code. Yes, uh-huh. it's great. Especially, you know, it's not for per se someone with Hashimoto's, but I think it's just such a good primer on how hormones work in the body and all the various practices that we can do to like to support ourselves and that endocrine, that wacky endocrine system, right? Um, so yeah, that'd be my choice. I love it. And for, um, more skin specific issues, if that's like your, your entry point to healthy living, which it was actually one of mine, um, Adina Grigori's skin cleanse is fantastic and also has a lot of really good, um, nutrition information in it too. Okay. I'll have to check out the second book. I haven't heard of that one, but a definitely woman code. I second you on that. It's really great just for the basis of the endocrine system. And I don't want to say it's just a basic book. It really goes in depth and it's really fascinating. Um, But I'll check out the other one. Okay. What is the one food? You're, you're a foodie. So what's the (laughs) one food you couldn't live without? Um, I love French fries so much (laughs) and I I have a baked sweet potato fry recipe in my book, but when I can find a dedicated gluten-free fryer out, I will definitely eat some french fries the 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 legit fried fries although i need to try your sweet potato fries because i just haven't i haven't perfected that one yet so they're really good they get crispy you just Mm -hmm. have to the the trick is to cut them really fine Mm -hmm. right yeah then okay what is the best piece of advice you've ever received well, there's one I always come back to from my dad, which is, you're not nervous, you're excited. And as someone who has been anxious for much of your life, <laughs> that's why I got that advice growing up, um, I think it's really helpful to, to channel that, to just think to myself when I'm stressed out or anxious or just anticipating something um, out of maybe fear that it's not, it's not actually actually me being nervous. I'm excited. Yeah. I don't, but half the time. I I love how he, yeah, no, I love how he switched like a negative emotion to like something positive. And yeah, exactly. Such an interesting way to look at it. Okay. What is the best piece of advice you could leave us with? Oh my gosh. Um, we've hit, we've hit a few of my 
my big ones so far. But I think, okay, since it's, it's timed for, for the new year, um, or right before the new year, I think just like driving home, you don't have to do all of the above all Mm. at once. Yeah. is so important. Um, again, every day will force you to find a new balance. The balance is not a place with exact coordinates. It's something that's constantly changing day to day. Um, so if you can just remember that and, and not try and, and beat yourself up for any of your, your falters. Um, and instead just look at, you know, these wellness and self-care practices as a fluid active process, then you'll be, you know, putting the best foot forward. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love it. So good. Okay. Last question. Where can we find more about you and your (laughs) book, the wellness project? So you can go to my website, feedmephoebe.com and click on the book tab or I have a professional website too that's just my name phoebelapine.com and you can get to it there as well and in the new year keep an eye out for my course which will hopefully if all things go according to plan be launching then and if you get the book definitely um, download the free supplement Awesome. Yes. And when you get that course done, let me know. And I will let everyone else know um, who's listening to this so they can jump on. But I will have all this information in the show notes as well. I really just want to thank you so much for being here and for writing such an amazing book and kind of opening our eyes to a new way to do health. And I think that's what so many are striving for is just something something different. So thank you again for being being here and again, opening that that path for us to take. Oh, thank you, Alexa. It was great being here. It was a great conversation. Gosh, I love that episode. So much to think about going into 2018, and I really hope it got the wheels turning in your own head that maybe you too will decide to undergo your own wellness project to take the information that the world is telling us, the information that you probably already know, and really start to implement what you think is of most value and benefit to your own body. Again, not just for the quick fix, not just for the overnight success, not just to create resolutions because you think you need to, but really deep down desire and value health so much so that you can live based on your intentions. You can live with purpose and in that purpose, create lasting health. That's my goal, is that we understand that this is not a destination we're trying to reach, but a continuous life journey. And rather than beating ourselves up over it, or trying to make our body submissive to our thoughts and our desires, start working in harmony with our body as we continuously change throughout our lifetime. Make sure you head to the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 064 to learn more about how you can create your own wellness project. I will be breaking that down more here on the show before 2018 hits so you can join in on what I'm planning to do and the specifics on how you can go about that. Also, make sure you pick up her book. It is so fantastic because at the end of the day, who wants to live for health, right? Rather, we should desire to live in health to live with greater purpose. And that's really the mission behind all of this because living for health gets us nowhere, but living with health gets us everywhere. 
Again, make sure you pick up a copy of her book, check out her resources, her website, and her Instagram page. It is so inspirational. And also make sure at the show notes, you sign up for my weekly emails where I'm gonna break all of this down more specifically. Again, to sign up for that email list, to be a part of this community who is really about health in a new way, looking at health in a way that's honoring and life-giving to each of us rather than just trying to beat our body into submission because I'm over those days. To be a part of this, head on over to simplerootswellness.com and drop your name and email address, and that's all you need to do. The rest, I will be sending you. And remember, you are always welcome to hit reply on any email and leave me comments and feedback about what's happening in your own life and what would be valuable for you to see or hear on the show. So again, just hit reply on any of those emails. Send me a message. I love to connect. Also, don't forget to follow me over on Instagram at Alexa Sherm and Facebook at simplerootswellness.com. You are amazing, and I'm so excited to start this new year with you, but for now, we have to fully immerse ourselves in where we are and enjoying this holiday season, taking a step back, slowing down, and really embracing the present. It is so hard to do and so against what everyone's telling you. Sometimes that means putting away our phone, choosing to shut off social media for the weekend, and really just stepping into the life that you have. I know lately I've been battling with the fact that I feel like my external circumstances haven't changed. I'm getting to the end of the year and I really haven't seen as much external change as I would like. However, my internal perspective has taken a 180 and for that I have to be thankful. However, the world tells us that without the external appearance, without goals being met and resolutions being maintained, that everything else is kind of a failure. So I really want to switch that mindset. I really want you to think outside of our external circumstance and really internally what is happening because eventually that internal perspective change leads to external circumstance change. And even if our external circumstance don't change, everything in our perspective will because our internal being has changed. So I'm going to dig into that later on in a different show, I think, because I think it's really valuable as you get to the end of the year and you can almost be depressed by the fact that Things haven't really changed the way that you wanted to, but internally, that's what matters. And so we're going to dive into that and how we can go into 2018 with a new perspective and creating intentions based on that. So again, make sure you follow along on my email list. Just drop your name and email over at simplerootswellness.com and stay following along. The best way to keep up to date with these shows at Simple Roots Radio is to hit subscribe in iTunes. Yes, hit subscribe in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening to this. Hit subscribe and you will be sure to be updated when the latest podcasts are released. Again, hit subscribe. And if you have time, leave a rating and a review. I talk about this all the time, but it's literally the lifeblood that makes the show go round. So just leave a rating and a review. It takes two minutes out of your day and you never have to do it again. I so appreciate it. And I can't wait to see what 2018 brings. So stay tuned as we lead up to that with a few more experts and a few more solo shows. It is right around the corner. But in the meantime, I hope you have a very blessed holiday season. Make it count. See you next week.